Hey, good evening and welcome to our evening service. Thank you for joining us on our live stream this evening. And uh, we ask that you pray. Our pastor is out of town. We'll be traveling back this week. And uh, pray for him that he'd have safety traveling. Pray for others in our congregation throughout the summer. They will be traveling back and forth. And so we want God's blessing and God's protection on each and every one of them. And uh, we hope that you are doing well. If you need anything, please feel free to contact the church office. We are more than able to uh, assist you in anything you might need. And if you need prayer, if you need uh, someone to stop by, just let us know and be more than happy to help you in any way that we can. Tonight, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, go to chapter number 2. 1 Samuel chapter number 2. During our midweek service, uh, we uh, went through 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we see uh, God's focus on one particular family. Now the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter number 2, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, the focus now turns from the whole family to one woman, a woman by the name of Hannah. In chapter 1, Hannah had gone through a very difficult time as she was unable to have children. Her husband had married a second wife. She had had children, and it became a, a source of contention. Hannah pours her heart out to the Lord. She acknowledges her position in comparison to the Lord, and God answers her prayers and gives her a baby boy named Samuel. In chapter 2, we see that Hannah not only fulfills her promise to give her son back to the Lord, but tonight I want to focus on her prayer to God. Hannah's prayer is a a pretty well-known one among Bible scholars. It's also very familiar to people in Scripture. When you look at Mary's prayer, the Magnificat, in uh, the Gospels, you'll see several of the things that she says sort of mimic what Hannah says. And Hannah's prayer to God reveals three attributes of God. It reveals three uh, specific characteristics that I think for us today are super important and super awesome to behold. I want you to see, first of all, God's supremacy. In verse number one that we just read, it says that Hannah prayed and it said her heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Her horn is exalted in the Lord. The horn was used as a symbol of strength. They were used in battle in times of war. Animals with horns would often use them for attack and self-defense. And what she's saying is, is that my God has given me the strength to get through this difficult trial. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Hannah had experienced the supremacy of God, victory, You see, her enemy was likely the second wife, Penina, that her husband had married. Because Penina was very good at at taunting Hannah and telling her, hey, I've got children, you don't. And it 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 was a rivalry within the home. And yet Hannah now has her son specifically given her of God. And she says, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies. But you see, God's uniqueness also adds to his supremacy. In verse number two, it says, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. You see, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number six, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Bible says in Colossians chapter one, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, 
For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. You see, there is no God like our God. There is no God like the God of the Bible. And Hannah acknowledges that. She says, you are supreme. You are the unique God amongst all the other gods that culture worship, that culture uh, worships. You are the one true God. You are unique above them all. If you look at verse number three, it says, talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Hannah praises not only the strength of God, not only the uniqueness of God, she praises the knowledge of God. You see, the Lord is omniscient, that means he is all-knowing. And our supreme God is the source of all knowledge. He is supreme in his knowledge. He knows the, the end from the beginning. And Hannah sees that God had a plan through all of her trials, through all the difficulties she had gone through, that the supremacy of God outweighed it all. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, For uh, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. In Isaiah it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. You see, our God is supreme in strength, and our God is supreme in wisdom and knowledge. So how does this apply to us? What, what do we take from this first part of Hannah's prayer? The supremacy of God ought to be the filter through which we view all of life's problems. Hannah had endured a long struggle both externally with the second wife, Penina, and internally with her emotions and her inability to have children. Yet the struggle was placed in the context of God's supremacy, and it led to a deep time of prayer, an experience of victory, and a response of praise. A man once said, when we see the greatness of God, we start to see life in perspective. Hannah knew the character of God and exalted his glorious attributes. With everything that you may face this week, See it through the supremacy of God. That God's strength can endure through your weakness. That God's knowledge and wisdom are far greater than anything we can figure out for ourselves. You see, I want you to see second, God's sovereignty. I want you to look at verse number four. The Bible says the bows of the mighty men are broken and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased. So that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive, he bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich, he bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth lifteth up the beggar out of the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. Not only does Hannah praise God's supremacy, but she exalts his sovereignty. Being sovereign means that God has complete control and is directly involved in the affairs of men. While he does not always interfere immediately with what's going on, he is no less in control. 
You see, God's sovereignty is not absent man's free will. It means that God will ultimately fulfill his plan, that God's purposes will come to pass. How they happen may differ depending on what man chooses. In verse number 4 and 5, we see that, he, that Hannah exalts the fact that God can turn any situation upside down. He can take the mighty soldier and render him weaponless. He takes the one who has stumbled and fallen and equips him with strength. He can take the one who has every single provision he could ever want and place him in need of work at the same time. At the same time, he can fill the belly of those who are starving. He can take a barren woman and allow her to bear many children and take one who has born many and close up her womb. Likely, Hannah's probably thinking of Penina during this time. And when you look at God's sovereignty, we see that every situation that's happening, God can quickly turn it upside down. And that should bring us comfort when we see the world and we look out there and we see that people who do wicked things are getting ahead. We can know that God's sovereignty, he can turn that around on them and he will one day. But that also should be a challenge to us. Because when we decide to go our way and not God's way, we need to remember that God can quickly take our situation and turn it on its head. The Bible says in verse number six, the Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth the poor out of the dust and lifteth the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes. You see, the Lord is sovereign even over life and death and everything in between. He can rescue us from the grave or call us home at any time that he wants to. In life, he can allow us access to wealth or carry us through poverty. He can abase our position to a low degree and exalt us to the highest extent. He can rescue us from financial ruin and place us even in a position of royalty. You see, our God is in complete control of all that is going on. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29, it says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. You see, God's sovereignty doesn't mean we're absent of free will. And if we aren't careful, we can get the idea that even as saved people, we can do whatever we want. You see, our God is in control. This earth is his. Every kingdom belongs to him. Our life belongs to him. And though some will fight the sovereignty of God and some will fight against his ruling in their lives, that ought not be the way of the Christian. You see, what's amazing about God being in control is that when everything seems out of control, I know who really can take care of me. When the world seems to be falling apart, when things around me seem to be crumbling, my God is strong enough to uphold me. 
And while I may not understand why there might be wars in Europe or might be potential wars in Asia, while I may not understand why we had to endure a global pandemic, while I may not understand why uh, the housing market has completely flipped on its head and everything's super expensive, while I may not understand all that is going on and I may not get why God is allowing it to happen, I know my God has it under control. I think sometimes we wrestle with a lot of anxiety because we want to control everything. But if I just let God do what he wants to do, all I got to do is hold his hand and follow. Hannah here acknowledges uh, God's supremacy. She acknowledges his uh, sovereignty, but I want you to see last she acknowledges his stability. The last part of verse 8, it says, For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. Pillars were uh, an amazing invention during ancient times, and they were able to uphold some of the greatest structures still around today. And God says, uh, God's word says that the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He can keep it stable. The Bible says in verse number 9, He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. You see, our God not only has everything under control, our God holds it together. In verse number nine, uh, the, to keep means to guard or to protect. Uh, the feet represent moving down a specified path. And so literally, God will protect us and direct us as we follow his path. He will ultimately silence the wicked and leave them wandering in darkness while he guides our steps with his light. No matter how strong the wicked seem or believe themselves to be, our God is more powerful. In Psalm 28, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song, I will praise him. God will ultimately, in verse 10, pass judgment to the extreme limits of the earth. His judgment will thunder or rage upon his enemies to the furthest extent, and they will break in pieces like a delicate piece of pottery. His judgment will have no limit, and his reign will have no in verse number 10, it says he exalts the horn of his anointed. The word anointed means chosen. Uh, there's a, a lot that can be said of this one phrase. Some believe he is simply referring to those in general that he chooses to serve, and there is definite truth to that, that the Lord will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed, his chosen. The fact that it references a king, Israel had had laws in the books already about if they were to have a king, how he was to live, and God would be the one in just a few chapters that would choose the new king of Israel, the first king of Israel. But some believe that this can also have a prophetic connotation to it in that it could also be referring to Christ himself. Either way you look at it, God will qualify those whom he calls to use. And he will strengthen them along the way. Instability has become somewhat of the norm for us. 
Our society is ever-changing. Our world seeks pleasure and power and provision outside of God's power and presence. Our country is a a post-Christian nation heading further and further away from the Lord at a rapid place. And whether it's Democrats or Republicans, both are a mess. Genuine stability is not found in financial investments or religious establishments or a political party. It is found wholly in the presence of Jesus Christ, who is God. So tonight, as we remember the prayer of Hannah, as we think what she had gone through and and what her, her filter for all those things she endured was, what area of God's attributes do you need most? Do you need to focus on God's supremacy a little more? Do you need to remember and acknowledge his sovereignty in your life? Do you need to rest in the stability of God? What's amazing about our God is you don't ever just receive a piece of him. When you put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, who died and rose again, when you put your full faith and trust in him as your Savior, when you receive that relationship, you don't just receive a part of God, you receive all of God. Tonight, how's your relationship with him? Tonight, how are you doing trusting him and praising him? Tonight, we have, if you're saved, we have God's supremacy. We have God's sovereignty. We have God's stability. We just need to rest in that. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time. As we took just a few moments to look into your word, I pray. First of all, Lord, if there's one watching that's never trusted you as Savior, I pray today would be the day they call upon you to be saved. And God, I pray for the rest who are watching who know you as Savior. God, no matter what we're going through, help us to go through that experience and see it through the filter of your supremacy, of your sovereignty, and of your stability. And God, I pray that when we come through whatever trial or difficulty we might be facing, that our prayer would be that of Hannah's. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. We pray you'd bless us with your power, with your presence, with your protection this week. Help us, Lord, to follow you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If there's anything we can be a help to you with, please feel free to let us know. And tonight, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, or maybe something in the message helped, please feel free to leave a comment. And we look forward to seeing you at our next service. Have a good night.